episode 40 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey, this is Chad Allen, creator of Book Proposal Academy, and I highly recommend the Energy Edge podcast so you can gain the energy you need to do your best work. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your energy edge is a must. The Energy Edge podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast brought to you by 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com. If you've not checked out this free video series, I encourage you to do so today. Well, I'm your host, Brian Paul Buckley, and one of my favorite parts of doing a podcast is meeting some incredible people. Well, I met Alan Stein and just knew he would be ideal for the Energy Edge podcast. I sat down with him, and we chatted like girls about the following. What is the most important factor in whether or not an entrepreneur or a business professional will be successful? What type of mindset do people need to have in order to grow their company? What is the correlation between energy and success you found with high achievers? How much focus do you see these high top performers put on the big three of sleep, nutrition, and fitness movements? For someone who's not an elite level yet, just what do they need to do in order to increase their energy to get there? And much, much more. It's go time. Alan Stein is a world-renowned basketball performance coach, corporate speaker, executive leadership coach, and also a podcast host. He has spent the past 15 years working with the highest performing basketball players on the planet, including NBA superstar Kevin Durant and the number one pick in this year's last 2017 NBA draft. Alan teaches organizations how to utilize the same strategies in business that elite basketball professionals and teams use to perform at a very world-class level. He is passionate about developing genuine leadership, authentic team cohesion, and true mental toughness, and works relentlessly to educate and inspire people to take immediate action to improve their mindset, habits, happiness, and ultimately, their success. Well, Alan, it is great to have you on the show. How are you, my friend? Fantastic as always. I'm excited to join you and have a great conversation. So thank you, man. So where, where in the world are you? At present, I'm actually in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's where my parents retired 15 years ago and moved to. And I've got my kids down here on a little vacation before school starts. Uh, but I normally reside in Gaithersburg, Maryland, about 30 minutes north of Washington, D.C. Ah, you're an East Eastern boy, which is awesome. Boy. Yeah, but I'm a very seasoned traveler. And I've, I've traveled the world and been to a lot of places and I'm very thankful to have seen some different cultures and done a lot of really good things. And that's awesome. And we're, I'm looking forward to diving into that, obviously on the energy side and with you on your business travel. And uh, so real quick, how old are your kids? Uh, I've got twin sons that are seven and I have a five-year-old daughter. So very fitting to make sure I have plenty of energy because <laughs> they run me ragged, to be honest. Yeah, especially the buy one, get one free on the sons there, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Now, are they uh, identical or fraternal or... They're fraternal, and it's really neat that they have very different temperaments, very different personalities, very different interests. Uh, at times, they get along like best of friends, and at other times, they, they fight like you know normal siblings would fight. But it's, uh, I tell you what, fatherhood is an amazing joy and, and you know, certainly one of the highlights of my life. And I know everything you do is centered around energy. 
Uh, and I actually find that it's funny. My kids give me energy on one hand because they, you know, that's what my legacy is going to be. That's what inspires me. But at the same that time, they also drain that energy. Uh, so you've got to have plenty of it in reserve to keep up with them. <laughs> you know, and sometimes it could be in the same given moment, you oh. know, or just like, oh man, it's awesome. And all of a sudden, oh man, that just sucked the living life out of me. So and I, I love that. So who are you currently working with or doing right now that kind of excites you right now? You know, for the past 15 years, I've made my living in the basketball space. I've been a basketball performance coach, uh, which most folks know is a strength and conditioning coach, and uh, had an opportunity to work on a variety of different levels. But my sweet spot was always in the youth and high school age uh, age group. Uh, but I have had an opportunity to work with a variety of different pro players and do some cool things with Nike and USA Basketball and Jordan Brand. The game of basketball has been really, really good to me. Uh, but about a year ago, almost to the day, I decided to make a transition into the corporate space and to share the life lessons that I've learned from the game's best players and coaches and share those with folks outside of the direct basketball bubble. And I found that that my message resonates really well with, with folks in the corporate world uh, and your audience in particular. You know, So uh, that's really where I am now. Now, I'll never leave the basketball sphere completely. I'll always be indebted to coaches and players and, and will want to serve them. Uh, but I'm really excited and passionate and super energized about this new target market of working with folks in the corporate world. Man, and good for you on the pivot too, because obviously the life lessons that transfer, I mean, some of the best books that I've read for business have been from coaches or, or athletes. And obviously some of the names that you guys have worked or you personally have worked with, you know, from LeBron to, to Jordan and to Durant and, uh, you know, all of that. I'm sure you've got a ton of stories. So, but one thing I'd like to ask you too, Alan, is, you know, what is one of the most important factors, you know, whether somebody's an entrepreneur or they're a C-suite or a sales professional or whomever that you're seeing that is allowing for them to be successful? I love what you just said before that, and that's basically what my mantra is, which is the principles of performance and achievement on the court are identical to the principles of achievement and performance in any area of life, whether it's business, uh, in your relationships. You know, I mean, the, the tenants that have made me a successful coach have absolutely poured into me to make me uh, a better father, to make me uh, a better friend, to make me a better business owner. So I am finding that these traits and characteristics transcend any industry. Uh, but one thing that I've noticed, and I've, I've had an opportunity to be around many of the game's best players and coaches, uh, lots of times in an observatory role, uh, lots of times working different events, and I'm extremely observant in everything that I do. So I've picked up some great things, and I've noticed that the best of the best, there's two things that make them great. Uh, one, it's the, the mindsets, the rituals, the habits, the disciplines that they have during what my good friend Drew Hanlon calls the unseen hours. It's That's the great. things that guys do when no one else is watching that makes them special. And the other thing is uh, they take advantage of every opportunity they have to get better, to grow, to develop, to improve, to master their craft or sharpen their sword. They take advantage of it. And, and I found that those two things in particular are what make the best, the best. And my favorite part about that is those two things are controllable. They're things that you can do. They're things that I can do. And they're things that every single one of your listeners can do. And why does that transfer to, well, just even corporate worlds? You think about an entrepreneur who is on it by himself. Um, you know, anybody who has a desire to be that elite, you know, that we're talking about that high performer, that high achiever. So let's unpack a little bit more of just those two. So any certain thing, a suggestion that you're seeing on the ritual side, on the habit side, on the mindset side, that um, really kind of sets from maybe just the average that kind of takes them to that next level? Well, first and foremost, every person needs to look in the mirror and acknowledge the fact that their habits are, in fact, a choice. 
We choose our habits and our habits are what dictate whether or not we're going to be successful. Uh, You know, as well as I do, success and happiness for that matter are not predicated on the things we do every once in a while, on the things we do when we feel like it, on the things we do when they're convenient. It's predicated on the things we do every single day. So ultimately, we choose our habits and our habits dictate whether or not we're successful. So if you take out the middleman, we choose whether or not we'll be successful. And to me, that, that, that admission and, and being able to say that we have to own our habits and acknowledge our habits, both good and bad, is the starting point. And the highest achievers that I've been around, they recognize that, they embrace that, and they work relentlessly to infuse positive habits into their lives. That's a great word on that, relentless. Do you find too, whether it's an athlete who has to travel, and obviously you have traveled a ton, Alan, I travel a ton, the difference between home habits and road habits, because obviously they travel with us. You know, talk about that just for a minute, as far as what you've seen in those elite that have made that transfer, no matter their location, with their habits. Well, the best of the best, if the environment changes, their habits don't. Now, the- oh, say, that, oh, say, that, say that again, that's a great well, one. I mean, the environment may change, but your habits don't, and especially your commitment to your habits. Now, if when you're at home, your schedule allows you to get up at five in the morning to go take a spin class or a yoga class and then eat a healthy breakfast, uh, and that's the habit you've created at home, and then when you're on the road, the schedule doesn't permit you to do it at those exact times, well, then you have to be flexible and you have to adapt. And all great players and great coaches and any high performer is able to adapt and move those things around. So you might not be able to do them at the exact same time or in the exact same way or eat at your favorite restaurant that's you know two blocks from your house when you're traveling. But it's the commitment to the habit that you're still going to make the time, not find the time, you're going to make the time to do the things that are important to you. And if those things are being mindful, if they're getting an exercise, if they're making sure you get adequate sleep uh, or work, whatever it may be, you'll make that commitment regardless of the atmosphere or the environment that changes. Well, I love the word you said with adapt, because in a change of location, change of city, change of environment, it's not a pass. It's not an excuse. It's an adapt, which means they, the workout needs to be at this time. But like you said, you're making time, not finding time. I've never literally, I've never found time just for the record. Yeah. Um, it always gets filled with something else with that. So man, I absolutely love that. So kind of piggybacking off of that, you know, what type of mindset do you find that these specific high achievers, let's call them have to allow them to grow their company, grow their own personal success, or do what they need to do? First and foremost, they have an appreciation and a respect for time. And and I do, I want to explain that a little bit. From a time standpoint, I always use the analogy of an hourglass. Uh, As we mentioned with my young children, they're at an age where they play a ton of board games. And a lot of those board games have that little plastic hourglass, and you flip it over and you've got one minute to do whatever the game says to do. Uh, And I was looking at that a couple years ago, and I just had this light bulb moment that the hourglass is very analogous to our lives. And, And here's why. The moment every single one of us were born, that hourglass got flipped over. And here's three truths that I know, indisputable truths about time that I've learned in 41 years. First, none of us has any idea how much sand is at the top of that hourglass. Yeah, great point. I'm 41 years old. I live a very healthy lifestyle by design. I get plenty of sleep. I manage my stress. I work out. I eat well. And statistically, life expectancy for the average male in the United States is around 79, 80 years old. Well, I don't consider myself average, but let's just say for the sake of argument that there's enough sand in my hourglass to last till 80. That means I'm at the halftime of my life right now. But I also know and respect and appreciate that that additional 40 years is not guaranteed. My hourglass, that sand could run out next week for all I know. 
Now, I'm not expecting it to, but it can. So tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. So first and foremost, making that admission will help you really respect time. The second reason the hourglass is analogous to our lives is we can't stop the sand from going to the bottom. Time never stops. You can't pause it. You can't stop it. You can't freeze it. It's continuous. It's ever fleeting. So we have to, again, make sure that we're respecting that aspect of time. And then the third component, and this will lead me into what I found with all high performers, is once that sand hits the bottom, it's gone forever. It's done. It's in the rearview mirror. There is nothing that I can do to change the 41 years on this earth that I've already lived. Now, I can look back and learn from those experiences. And if I'm smart, I will learn from those to make sure that I maximize my future time. But I can't do anything about sand that has already hit the bottom. And those three appreciations for time have allowed me to what I call live present. And the best basketball players on the planet know how to play present. And that means three different things. One, you focus on the next play. Two, you focus on the only things in this world that you have control over. And three, you focus on the process. And if you'd like for me to elaborate on each one of those three, I'd be happy to do it. Absolutely. No, because I absolutely love those. And even just caveat on that, just the fact of time, how much people just waste time. But yet, I mean, the difference you're talking about is somebody who really wants to get to elite level, just respects time and wants to live presently. So let's unpack those, those focuses on the next play, then on the process and uh, what you just had mentioned. Sure. And, and let's remember now that time is very similar to money. There's three things that you can do with your time. You can invest it, you can spend it, or you can waste it. The first is obviously what we like to do most of. The latter is what we certainly want to avoid at all costs. And then it just depends on your definition of spending time. I certainly don't want to make it sound like every second of my life is so structured and investing in the future. I'm a normal human being. But generally speaking, our goal is to waste as little of this precious time as we have, or sand as we'll call it, because we don't know how much of it that we have. Uh, and, and to me, that's why, and it's even more important than money, because if you were to take everything I own right now and put it in a big bonfire, I have the skill sets to make more money. I don't, there's nothing I can do to make more time. Father time is undefeated in this world and there's nothing I can do. So uh, it'd be hard to, hard pressed for someone to argue the fact that time is not our most precious resource. But going back to the ability to live present, uh, focus on the next play. Uh, I was very fortunate to work at DeMatha Catholic High School in Washington, D.C. for six years as the performance coach. And we've had some really good players uh, come through DeMatha. Uh, Victor Oladipo was the number two pick in the NBA draft a few years ago. And this year, the number one pick, Markel. That's right. uh, Graduated from DeMatha two years ago in 2015. So we have really really good players. Um, and, and I don't say any of that because of my doing. I'm a small piece of the puzzle, but we have really good players there. But we also have an absolutely exceptional coach and a gentleman named Mike Jones, uh, who's one of the finest coaches that I've ever met. And if you were to ever sit with an earshot of Coach Jones during a game, you would hear him say, next play, and make a certain hand gesture that mimics that. Next play, next play. The referee makes a bad call, next play. You missed the wide open three-pointer, don't worry about it, man. Next play. And why does he say that? He says that because the next play is the only play that our players can have an effect on. They can't do anything about the play that just happened, whether it was good 
or whether it was bad. So he wants our players to have a very short-term memory that no matter what play just occurred, good or bad, that they're immediately focused on moving to the next play. If you picture the typical player, they miss a three or they turn the ball over, they hang their head, they have negative body language, and they pout for, say, three or four seconds. Absolutely. Well, when you're playing at DeMatha Catholic High School, which is an extremely elite level of high school basketball, if you don't sprint back on defense in three or four seconds, the other team scores. So you just made one mistake, and your inability to live in the present moment just cost another mistake. And when that happens, then you're coming out of the game because Coach Jones cannot allow somebody to compound those mistakes. So he really uh, pushes hard to make sure our players know that the next play is the only one that they can have an effect over. You know, and you look at the best players in the game. Let's take Stephen Curry, for example, who I firmly believe is the best shooter on the planet. Now, this is very rare, but there have been a couple of games statistically where Steph starts out 0 for 6 or 0 for 7. Again, it doesn't happen often because the guy's really good, but it happens. But what makes him special is if Steph misses his first seven shots, you could never convince him that that eighth shot is not going there. Absolutely. And he shoots, he shoots like he just hit the last seven. Absolutely. And if he misses the first 15 shots, you better believe Steve Kerr still wants him to take the game winner. And the reason is because he lives in the present moment. He doesn't allow the previous seven misses to affect the eighth shot. And that is, I mean, that's an unbelievable mindset to have. I mean, any of us, and there's lots of things in this world I think we can agree are understandable. doesn't mean they're acceptable. But I can tell you from personal experience, if I miss seven shots in a row, I might be a little bit hesitant on taking that eighth shot because I can't stop thinking about those seven misses. Well, that's the difference between a world-class performer like Stephen Curry and the average person. He does not let that negativity or the previous misses affect the next shot. He always focuses on the next play. And on focusing on what you control and focusing on the process, would you like to elaborate a little bit more on those? Because this is gold. For sure. And, and, and I think your listeners will really appreciate this. Uh, although a lot of your listeners are high performers and high achievers, and they probably are similar to me in that they might be somewhat of control freaks. They like to control things. I certainly know I do. It's very humbling to realize that there's only two things in this world that we have 100% control over. That's our attitude and our effort. That's it. We don't control anything else. Now, I'm a believer that if you take a little bit of attitude and you take a little bit of effort, that's your enthusiasm. Or you take a couple of parts attitude and a couple parts effort, that's your, your, uh, your ability to prepare. Uh, so I'm not saying that, that we don't have an effect over other things, but when you brush away all of everything else, the only things we control are our attitude and our effort. And I find for me personally, anytime life gets a little bit fuzzy or things get a little bit out of whack, I have to center myself and go back to my own attitude and my own effort. And anytime I tighten the screws on those two things, most problems magically disappear. But if you picture the average basketball player, they spend so much of their mental energy worried about what their teammates are doing or not doing, worried about what their opponent's doing, worried about what their coach is yelling, worried about the referees, worrying about the cheerleaders, worrying about the scouts in the stand, worrying about the fans watching. They're worrying about everything that they have 0% control over instead of pouring into the only two things that they have, you have control over. Yep. Control over. Yeah. Now, I'm not a math major, an accountant, or a statistics major, but I can tell you right now that that Pouring into something that gives you a 0% return as opposed to pouring into something that gives you a 100% return is borderline foolish. So always going back to attitude and effort because we control those things. And those are awesome. I mean, those are great, great tips. And the last one you had mentioned on the, the three focuses that we have was the focus on the process, correct? 
Absolutely. Focus on the process. Uh, we all, as high achievers and high performers, have numerous outcome goals. We have outcomes. We have numbers that we want to meet. We have things that we want to achieve. And I get that. But the real goal is being able to take those things and reverse engineer them and work backwards to create a process that will greatly increase your chance of those things happening. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've just meeting you and I don't know any of your listeners that I know of, but I can almost guarantee without hesitation that I'm the least handy person listening to this show at this moment. I was not born with that gene. Uh, if something in my apartment breaks, I have to pay someone to come fix it or it's just going to stay broken for the rest of my life because I just wasn't born with those genes. However, I have full confidence that I could build a sound, sturdy brick wall. And the reason I have that confidence, despite my lack of handyman skills, is because I know how to respect and trust the process. I am physically capable of picking up one brick and setting one brick exactly where it needs to go. And then I go pick up a second brick and I put that exactly where it needs to go. And as long as I stay focused on each individual brick and lay each one with care and precision, then the only result possible is a sound, sturdy wall. But the moment I step back and I start worrying about how big's the wall going to be, how tall is it going to be, are they going to paint it? Is this going to be part of a bit? As soon as I start worrying about all of the outcomes, that's when sloppy work enters. That's when my brick wall won't be as solid or as sturdy. So the key to it is focusing on the steps, the reps, and each individual brick. And when you do that, more times than not, the outcome ends up taking care of itself. And I love that. And you've got a great quote just talking about old people, young people, and successful people. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And then certainly don't mean to offend anyone that considers themselves in the old category, but <laughs> I really believe that old people live in the past, young people live in the future, and successful people live in the present. You know, old people are always talking about what they did yesterday, looking in that rearview mirror. Young people can't wait to grow up and are talking about all the things they're going to do when they grow up. And successful people are happy, productive, and fulfilled in the present moment, which is everything that we just chatted about, which is playing present, living present. I love that. And that's a great quote to go by, especially when we're dealing with specifically successful. And obviously, we want to do traits of successful people. But let's, let's talk about the antithesis of that, so of people who are afraid of failure and the what happens to short circuit their success because of this fear of failure. I mean, how much is, is it good? And just your thoughts on that. I believe failure is all a mindset. And I grew up, I'm 41 years old. So when I was growing up, uh, and this wasn't just the way I was raised, I think this was a lot uh, that had to do with society, uh, actually was taught that failure was a bad word, that, that failure was the first F word that I learned. I know, I was the same way. Yeah, and that you were to avoid failure at all costs. And that if you got a bad grade in school, that that was a failure. If you got cut from a team, that you were a failure. And uh, it's a shame because I've really had to work hard to undo that, to unlearn that mindset. And now I realize and can appreciate and respect that failure is a part of that process that we just talked about. And, and of all the things that I work really hard as a father to pour into my children and to teach and guide and model for my children, uh, that one makes the, the top of the list is teaching them to be resilient to failure. Uh, now, just to make sure we're on the same page, that is not an excuse for giving a poor effort. That's not an excuse for having a bad attitude. That's not an excuse for not trying. You know, you need to put your best foot forward to prepare and do the best that you're capable of. And if you do, and the result is a quote unquote failure, then that's okay. You can learn from that. Uh, I think the main reason is, I mean, let's be honest, no one really enjoys failing. Failing makes us uncomfortable. And as, as human beings, it's wired in our DNA 
to crave comfort, to always take the path that will lead to comfort. So uh, most people tend to think that you'll live a happier life if you can avoid the disappointment of failure. And again, it took a long time for me to appreciate and understand that that's the exact opposite, that those failures make you stronger. Those failures make your successes even sweeter which then leads to a much more happy, productive, and successful life. So uh, really, it's about leaving our comfort zone. I know that that is played out and it's cliche, and and most high performers and high achievers are, are sick of hearing about live outside of your comfort zone. But it's still true. I mean, we can overplay it and over talk exactly. about it all we want. Doesn't change the reality of the truth. No, it doesn't. And uh, just like it, from a physical fitness standpoint, you have to push yourself to the point of discomfort. You know, if you're running, you want to push yourself to your, you know, your, you have some labored breathing. And when you're strength training, you, to your muscles are burning and shaking. And if you don't do those things, chances of a physical adaptation are very slim. Like you need to physically leave your comfort zone if you want there to be any growth or any improvement. Well, it's the same for mental and emotional strength. You know, the only way you're able to achieve success is if you push beyond your boundaries of emotional and mental comfort and do some things that really challenge you. And anytime you do things that challenge you, there are going to be times where you quote unquote fail. Uh, But if you use those failures as a learning experience, as opposed to something that beats you down, then you're going to be a high performer and a high achiever. And I love the the mindset that you have on failure and, you know, how we can learn from that, how we can teach our kids. And you've got a, a quote that I read that you had written. It said, failure is a catalyst to growth. If you're close to failure, you are close to improvement, development, and ultimately success. Any comments on, on your own quote? No, and that's, and, and to be honest, uh, I don't know if I'm the original author of that or if that's been pieced together because I'm a, I'm a voracious reader. I devour anything that has to do with success and leadership and teamwork and habits and all that. But well, yeah, until we I, find out otherwise, it's a sign to you, my friend. You got it. Well, I'll, I'll take it. And, and I do believe that. I mean, that is a mantra of my life. And because you can't have both, you know, you can't be paralyzed by failure and then still expect to make improvement because it just doesn't work that way. Now, going back to understandable versus acceptable, it, it's okay to, to be a little hesitant towards failure. That's what keeps you sharp. You know, there's a difference between having fear and being scared. Uh, having fear, in my opinion, means you respect the process. You respect yes. that failure could ensue. Being scared will paralyze you. You know, a perfect example, I heard this uh, from a friend of mine. Um, if you were going to tightrope, you are going to walk across, let's say, two buildings and you're two stories in the air and you're going to walk across a tightrope, uh, you better be a little bit fearful of falling. That's what keeps you sharp. That's what keeps you on the rope is the respect for the fact that you could fall. If you didn't care if you fall or didn't think that you would fall, you'd just walk across that thing willy-nilly. You'd be completely haphazard. So it does keep us sharp to be cognizant of the fact that that failure could occur. But the most important part is understanding that failure is only temporary. But then with that, so is success. So it can be equally uh, harmful for someone to think that, uh, you know, from a success standpoint, that this is permanent, that I've arrived, that I just achieved what I was trying to achieve, and now the game's over. I mean, as we've already established, you and I still are at, we're at the halftime of our life. We've got a lot of time left. So for us to think that we've only, uh, we've already accomplished everything that we're going to, uh, that complacency will kill us. And I love the correlation between that success is short-lived and so is failure short-lived, depending on how we look at it. We'll be right back with the remainder of the interview with Alan Stein after this short break. Hi, this is Megan Blacksmith of Zesty Ginger, and here is your nutritional energy boost that you could try today. 
A quick tip for more energy is to add pink Himalayan or sea salt to your food or your water. Say what? I know this sounds crazy because we've been trained to believe that salt is not good for us. And when it comes to iodized processed salt, this is still true. But sea salt in its natural form has all the essential minerals that our body needs to support hormonal and adrenal health. Your body will tell you how much you need. So keep upping the amount of salt that you add to your food or water. And once you reach the place where it tastes way too salty, then then you know you've hit your spot. Most of us are just plain tired. Our pace far outruns our energy, yet we just keep going. We quickly move from busy to beat down to burnout. And sometimes we pull this off by the end of the same day. And it's only Monday. What we need is a reminder there's another way. A kickstart to get us thinking and get us going in the right direction. 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com offers three five-minute videos on the topics of sleep, nutrition, and fitness movement where a problem is discussed and two energy kickstart challenges are offered. Why? Because we all need a kickstart from time to time. The best part about it is the only thing it'll cost you is a few minutes of your time because the video series is absolutely free. So check out 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today. So speaking of correlations... What do you see the correlation between energy and success you found with high achievers? They are directly correlated. Uh, And energy is a choice. And the reason I say energy is a choice is we go back to our habits. Uh, You know how you have more energy? You get sleep. You, You work out. You eat well. You do the things and you create the systems and the rituals and the habits that are all but guaranteed to give you more energy. You know, it's funny. I can almost be willing to bet anybody listening to this, if, if their smartphone gets down around 10 to 15% juice in that thing on battery power, I mean, they're probably going insane looking for a plug to plug that thing into because they don't want their phone to die. Yet how many people don't treat their minds and bodies the same way? They run themselves into the ground to the point where they have no battery power left but they're not as worried about plugging into a good night's sleep or plugging into an effective workout or plugging into a healthy breakfast. And we need to treat those things, you know, in a, in a similar capacity. Uh, so I think it's really important, but, but back to the energy, there is absolutely a direct correlation. Now coming from a basketball background, I'm a huge Steve Nash fan. Absolutely love Steve Nash, one of my all-time favorite players. And in 2004, that was the first year that he won back-to-back MVP titles. Uh, And in that 2004 season, he only led the NBA in two statistical categories. He led the NBA in assists, which we can agree means he's unselfish. He likes to share the sugar and, and, and share the ball. But he also led the league in touches. And when I say touches, I'm talking about high fives fist bumps and pats on the butt. Nice. And if anyone's listening going, how would you know that there were researchers at Cal state Berkeley that were doing an official study. They wanted to see if there was a direct correlation between winning and showing signs of enthusiasm, or if we want to call it effort and energy. And they hired a team of researchers to watch every single NBA game. And they counted every single time a player gave a high five, a fist bump or a pat on the butt. And the Suns, the Phoenix Suns, were so enamored with this study that they actually hired uh, an intern, a full-time intern, to do the exact same thing and just watch Steve Nash. In the first game that they recorded with Steve Nash, an NBA game is 48 minutes long, Steve Nash delivered 239 high fives, fist bumps, pats on the butt. And those are direct signs 
of energy. So this guy is, I mean, he's an absolute furnace when it comes to putting out energy. And you better believe now, no one can argue that Steve Nash was a tremendous shooter, a great ball handler, an effective passer. But one of his primary values to the Phoenix Suns organization was his ability to to release energy and to share energy. And, And with that, I'll leave you with one more. The difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermostat sets the temperature in a room. A thermometer simply reads it. A thermostat dictates the environment while a, th- uh, while a thermometer simply reacts to it. If you want to be a high achiever or a high performer in any walk of life, you have to be a thermostat. You have to make your energy contagious, and you need to make sure that everyone else raises up to your level that you don't sink down to theirs. If somebody's running a, a business and they hold Monday morning meetings at 7 a.m., there's a good chance that, that the energy will be a little bit low at 7 a.m. on a Monday. Well, it's up to the leader to raise the level of everyone else. It's up to a leader to be the thermostat and make their energy contagious. And I found that the most successful people, both in business and in basketball, do that extremely successfully. And to piggyback off your analogy, which I love, you know, with the thermostat right there, you've got control of the thermostat. So obviously, and that leads back to mindset and habits, and which leads back to energy was dealing with, well, in order to do that, I need to be able to have the sleep I need. And I need to be able to put fuel in my body to allow me to do what I need to do. The movement within my day, whether I'm on the road, I'm off the road, I'm in the same environment, I'm in a different environment. Like you mentioned, those are absolutely consistent. So for somebody, Alan, who is, let's say maybe they're not at that elite level yet, they have a desire to be that what do you advise for them to do to begin to start to increase their energy in order for them to get there? I believe everything starts with self-awareness. I believe folks have to take a personal inventory of what they like, what they don't like, what they're good at, uh, what they're not so good at, or what challenges them, and start to figure those things out. Now, uh, you know, I've spent most of my life in the fitness bubble, so I've been around working out and eating well for for a good portion of my life. Uh, but I'm I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a sports nutritionist. You know, I'm not a scientist. Uh, and, and it is my belief that while there are certainly some fundamental principles um, for for living a healthful and healthy life that there's also some individuality that you personally might be able to get seven and a half hours sleep and perform at an elite level. And I might need eight and a half hours sleep. You might be able to follow, you know, say a paleo type diet where I need to follow something different. Uh, You might do better with majority of your workouts being strength based and doing a little bit of cardiovascular work. And I might be the exact opposite. So I think the key is finding uh, and this will happen through some trial and error, but finding which recipe works best for you. You know, I'm at a point now where I have the awareness to know that my energy is at the highest between 5 and 10 a.m. That's when I'm the most productive from a physical standpoint. That's when I'm the most productive from a mental standpoint. So I schedule my day to make sure that I'm doing the bulk of what I need to do in that window. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a complete turd for the rest of the day, but I know that it <laughs> Which means- Which is good considering we're, we're doing this later in the day. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm still able to make this work, Absolutely. but I've learned that that's kind of my sweet spot. So for me, if I don't get in a workout by 10 a.m., uh, it's usually they're going to get pushed to the next day or I- know that it's probably not going to be as good of a workout if I would have gotten it earlier. That doesn't make it right. That's just something I've learned about myself. But I've met just as many people that are the exact opposite. You know, uh, they need to get their workout in at 8 p.m. And that's their sweet spot for working out. So, uh, and same thing with sleep. You know, I might be a go to bed at 9 p.m., wake up at 5 a.m. You might be a go to bed at midnight and wake up at 8. We're still getting the same amount of sleep. So I think it's just a matter of learning yourself and having the self-awareness to know. And in order to do that, 
you've got to figure out, all right, when do you seem to have the most energy? You know, if you have a really awesome, productive day, rewind that and go back and go, okay, what did I eat this morning? How much sleep did I get last night? What did I do the previous during this week that set me up to have such a great day? Uh, Because chances are it's not haphazard. It's, It's a result of whatever it was that you did. And then the oldest adage to success in anything, do more of what works, do less of what doesn't. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that, but uh, that's, I mean, that's about as true as it gets. Well, easy to say and tough to do, but it, it's, it is success. And I absolutely love those quotes, Alan, because to your point, once you've got the mindset, once you become self-aware, then it's a matter of doing the habits, the disciplines, the, you know, what it takes to be able to perform at that high level and then doing it when nobody else is looking, you know, doing it in the seams and doing it consistently, not being afraid of failure. So to wrap everything up, any closing thoughts that you want to leave for us? My closing thoughts would be, uh, having been around these high performers and high achievers in basketball, certainly a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant uh, was born with some physical gifts that the vast majority of the population was not born with. You can just see that with the naked eye. Uh, But that aside, most of what makes those guys successful are very basic principles. Those guys never get bored with the basics. They stick to, and I say this in air quotes, the fundamentals. So the things that have helped enable them to be successful are things that you're capable of, I'm capable of, and all of your listeners are capable of. Now, we don't control the fact that we're not 6'10 and that we can't jump out of the the gym, but the other things that make those guys successful, the fact that they do the little things, that they're relentless about creating their habits, that they choose to be thermostats, they're all things that every single one of us can choose to do and choose to make part of our habits. So don't ever uh, get caught up in what society wants us to get caught up in, which is uh, skip the process, chase what's hot and flashy, chase what's sexy, ignore the basics. The basics have always worked. The basics will always work. It doesn't matter if we're talking basketball or business. So commit to the basics, develop your habits, and you'll see so many of these outcomes take care of themselves. And I love that quote that you said, never bored with the basics. And, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to energy, per both of our beliefs, sleep and eating correctly and our movements through our day could be standing, walking, running, lifting, those type of things, taking breaks and downtime to be able to refuel. It's amazing how basic they are and how easy it is to get bored with them. But to these elite athletes that you're dealing with, to the corporate guy who's killing it, to the entrepreneur who is just killing it as well. They cannot be bored with the basics that allow them to have the energy what they need. So that is awesome. Alan, thank you so much for the content. How can people find out more about you, what you're up to, what you're going to be doing? Sure. And before I say that, you, you just tripped my mind to have one more final thought. And sure. that's to make sure that you, you give yourself some grace and realize that you know, basketball, for example, is not a game of perfection. In the history of basketball, there's never been a perfect game played. Well, it's the same thing for life. You know, you're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. You know, you're going to have uh, a week where you string together perfect workouts, perfect sleep and perfect eating. But then if you go on vacation and you want to, within moderation, eat something a little bit different that, that's maybe not part of your regular diet, or you want to stay up a little bit later or sleep in a little bit longer, uh, allow yourself the grace to live life and enjoy and really be present. And just like we said that you can't pause time, it's important to have that grit and resilience that every day you start with a clean slate. So if for whatever reason today my workout was lackluster, I didn't eat as healthy as I'm capable of, and and I tossed and turned all last night, well, tomorrow I can change that. I don't need to live in the past and beat myself up over something that I didn't do very well before. I start over every single day. And the key is trying to string as many of those good days 
or good meals or good workouts or good nights of sleep together that you can. But it's important to go through life uh, and, and give yourself some grace. And I'm, I'm glad you added that. I mean, you think about the, the pitcher who gives up the uh, home run to lose the game, you know, the closer. He's got to come out tomorrow and act like it never happened with there and just to have that grace within our lives. But, you know, probably to your point, the professional, you know, the elite knows when is moderation too much and knowing that I've got to go back to my routine, which makes me who I am, not being bored with the basics to get back to that elite level. That's, that's a great closing thought. Um, buy one, get one free on the closing thought. You got it, man. Well, I appreciate your summary of that. Uh, if folks go to allensteinjr.com, uh, that's my, my website and has links to all my social handles, uh, links to what I have going on. I mean, right now, uh, I've found my sweet spots in the, the speaking space. So I do keynotes and I, I do workshops for businesses and organizations of all different sizes. Uh, I also do some executive and leadership coaching and consulting. So if anybody listening, if, if my message has resonated and you think I could uh, help you support your team or talk to your team, I'd, I'd certainly be honored to do it. Um, but most importantly, it's that we're all banding together and supporting each other as a team. And that's why I really uh, thank you and appreciate you for having an opportunity to share the stuff I'm passionate about uh, with your listeners. Uh, you do a terrific job. I love your show and very thankful to have been on. I appreciate it, Alan. I'll make sure too that uh, all the links are in the show notes as well. So we'll make it very simple for somebody to be able to find you. So again, man, uh, thank you for bringing the energy and uh, for the information that you gave us, man. I'm just absolutely thrilled to have this time with you. My pleasure. Here's a preview of our next episode. Treve and I are going to go unplugged and reveal our success and struggles, most of all, with our energy. We're going to take you behind the scenes of these, well, these two high performers who blew their engines of their high performance cars and what life is like for us right now in post-recovery. Well, it's an honest and vulnerable look at our journeys since we started this podcast nine months ago and what we learned about managing and maximizing our energy to have a consistent energy edge. Well, thanks for making it to this point in the podcast. I hope you're motivated, but also challenged by Alan Stein. No Treve and I so appreciate and value you. If we can serve you in any way, please never hesitate to reach out to us. As always, we'll try and do better next time. Go and get your energy edge on today.